0: Welcome to the Alliance Party After Dark, a podcast for the politically aware, brought to you by the Alliance Party. Content for this episode was recorded on Saturday, January 11, 2020. And a good evening to you. I'm Dan Schaefer, producer of the podcast. This evening, we're talking with Nick Thomas, currently the director of business development at EarthX. The reason why I say currently is because Mr. Thomas has worn several hats over the past couple decades, Most recently, he ran as an independent candidate for the U.S. Congress, representing the 2nd District in Colorado in 2018. Besides filling a position at EarthX, Nick currently holds the position as the state chair for the Alliance Party in Colorado. Nick is a lifelong Coloradan. He was born in Boulder, spent his summers in Grand Lake and Estes Park, and many winters in Breckenridge. He graduated from Colorado State University in Fort Collins. And he earned an MA degree in Diplomacy and International Studies from Denver University's Joseph Corbell School and later an MBA from Hult International Business School in Shanghai, Dubai, and San Francisco. Nick has always focused on serving the people themselves rather than the institutions or leadership. He's built his work around citizen diplomacy. He's a member of the U.S. Global Leadership Coalition, a Rotarian, a Freemason, and a 2008 U.S. Congressional Youth Ambassador to South Korea. Nick also served as an intern and aide to Colorado State Senator Ron Tuba in 2007 through 2008. So, uh, Nick, welcome to the show, and I hope that introduction did you justice.
1: I think you've covered all the bases and more than. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, well, you appreciate you being here today.
1: Um, You know, I'd like to focus
0: our conversation today on uh, your work with EarthX. Now, from a uh, 30,000 foot view, EarthX is an international nonprofit environmental forum for whose purpose is to educate and inspire people to actions toward a more sustainable future. But those words paint the picture with a very broad brush. Can you tell us a little bit more about what EarthX is and what they're doing to help the planet?
1: Yeah, so EarthX was founded um, 10 years ago now. This will actually be our 10-year anniversary um, by a guy named Trammell Crow out of Dallas under the auspices of, hey, we need to have uh, more people from both sides in this climate discussion, if you will. And so he's known as a, a Republican, but a green Republican. And somebody with his platform out of a city like Dallas, who's a green Republican, is to me one of the voices that, uh, of course, uh, we really need in this discussion right now. Because as you know, part of the independent candidate, candidacy was about, as I think the Alliance Party is, helping to push, many of these issues should not be looked at as red issues or blue issues, but human issues. And given we've gotten too much into that polarization, um, it's groups like the Alliance Party uh, and like Trammell Crow that are helping uh, skew those lines in the right way. Um, And so, you know, very quick background, I'm sure we'll get to it, but he founded this down in Dallas. It's been going on for 10 years. This coming April will be our 10-year our anniversary, as well as Earth Day's 50th anniversary. And I connected with Trammell two years ago when he had me come out and speak during my campaign about that issue that I've just mentioned. Uh, and I was so impressed with what EarthX does that I came out last year and volunteered and brought a number of speakers to the uh, event. And then, actually, signed on this year to help with uh, specifically a Colorado pavilion.
0: Hmm. So, um, we talked a little bit about your background and, and um, you know, from a educational and political perspective. But um, what sort of what motivated you? I mean, EarthX is is um, obviously a bit environmentally aware. Uh, or, or an organization that's dedicated to generating environmental awareness. <clears throat> so what was your uh, uh, your own background? I mean, would, do you have anything in your own background that, that said, hey, this is like a really good idea for the earth?
1: So, I you know, I was born in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, so I, I was born as a tree hugger, if you will. Uh, but at the same time, my twin and I hunt, uh, which is often looked at as more of a red issue, even though uh, a lot of hunters back in the day were conservationists. And so I've seen the environment from both sides and also have a heavy family influence. My sister-in-law actually teaches at CSU in um, basically climate studies, you know, atmospheric science. Um, And so growing up, I think my parents were some of the first people in Boulder to have solar panels on their roof. And later on, I helped convince my grandfather to get one of the first Priuses, and then my my parents to, at their new house put some of the first photovoltaic um, panels on their house uh, and sort of, you know, continued that trend. I mean, there's a few different examples. Um, and one of them that was most profound for me was, was way back in the day, 2007 or 2008. There was... Um, I was working down at the Capitol... In Colorado as you mentioned and there was an issue with the new subdivision my parents had moved into they wanted to continue this trend and on the the third house again put solar panels on the house and again uh, actually put a swamp cooler in the window which makes a great deal of sense if you're somebody who lives in any of the dry climates across the country and our HOA our housing division did not want to allow it because they did not think it was visually appealing and so I, I'm down there at the Capitol and mentioned this to Ron and I know a couple other people were kind of working on it, but he said, jump on and help with the research and um, we'll make a bill happen. And sure enough, you know, all the process and long story short, et cetera, six months later, we got a bill passed, went into effect. No HOA in the state of Colorado could stand in the way of energy efficient improvements. And my parents put photovoltaic on that house. We were the first in the neighborhood and I, I drove back by there the other day and about two out of every three houses on the street have solar panels. And I thought, you know, even back then, but re- reinforced, you know, just the other day, my gosh, you really can get something done in politics if you push it the right way. And for me, It was in climate. And I guess the final thing I'll say on that, there's a lot of issues that are critical to me, a lot that I brought up with the campaign. But I tend to agree with the youth leadership in this country, with um, some of the political leadership, although sadly it's pretty rare and far between. I know Tom Steyer's running on that platform. I know a couple others have mentioned it. I know there's the Green New Deal. We can disagree on policy, but whatever it is, the most important thing right now facing us as a world and us as a nation is climate change, and we have to be way more proactive. And the Democrats have to realize that it's not just a blue issue, and the Republicans have to not be scared about talking about science. So,
0: <laughs> there yeah. you go. That's a, that's an interesting story there because I've um, I actually was you know lived in California for many years and I thought about having solar panels on my roof as well. In that case, I did not live in an HOA, but it would have been perfect for me to put something up there. But um, one of the contributing factors is not only the politics, but the price of these panels has come way down. I know uh, about 10 or 15 years ago when I initially looked into this, the price of uh, panels was like $5 per watt. Uh, that's mm-hmm. dropped to like 70 cents per watt right now. So I think you were actually on, on the front end of a wave right there that was that was inevitable. It was, it was going to um, <clears throat> overtake whatever it was, and HOA was not going to stand in your way there. So I, I, uh, I think that's really good.
1: Well, one more, I mean, simple detail, not to go way out on the tangent on that, but um, my, my father did was a little nervous about the panels that I had set up because it was, as you say, very expensive. It was actually a $38,000 system. Um, because of some forward thinking in our legislature in Colorado, we did have people push... Our local energy company Excel to to have tax credits, so we got 15 grand back on that. But it was still a very expensive system. It was a lot to chew. But my argument was one: if you look at the long term, um, within 10 years it would pay for itself, and now it's been something like 16, 17 years that it's been on there. So at this point, we are paying it back. Number two, my father and mother had the financial capacity to do it. Not everybody certainly did back then, but my thought was if they could do it, they should do it and help move that along and help pay for the R&D. And so, you know, I'm I'm thankful that they did. Uh, And yeah, as you say now, it it shouldn't even be a question nowadays. It's so much cheaper and so much easier and they produce so much more and the technology is so much better. I would love to see every house in the country have either solar on the roof or a green garden on the roof, or something to that effect. We're even looking in, into getting a um, 60-foot windmill right now out on our property in the mountains that produces a ton of electricity because of the winds we have mm-hmm. that, during different seasons. And why not? Once it's in, you know, the, what you can do for the environment, what you can do for to give back, and what you can do on your energy bills is pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, with a lot of these systems, too, there's... Um... There might be a fairly significant upfront cost, although that's coming down with solar panels these days, but um these uh there's very little uh, recurring cost with these with these solutions. So they once you put them in place, they just generate electricity and it's pretty much maintenance free. So it certainly right. makes sense these days. So we talked a little bit about EarthX and we we I kinda hit the thirty thousand foot view with them. But uh, could you give me some sort of taste as, you know, some of the activities they're doing, what what, what are they doing specifically? I know they have like an annual uh, convention on Earth Day itself, but could you go in a little more detail as to, you know, what, um, um, you know, dive, do the deep dive in their mission statement, for example, and, and kind of give us an idea of what happens at the ground level with EarthX?
1: Yeah, so I'll, I'll I'll actually do that in reverse. We we do have a couple fun offshoots throughout the year. We do a half Earth Day uh, event event. Um, we have a film group EarthX film run by Michael Kane who's a, a heck of a guy um, and I, I think almost weekly there in Dallas they'll they'll do films which are basically documentaries that have something to do around uh, this major issue which you know has a piece in every little facet of life um, but so EarthX itself on, on the whole um, for me this Well, for anybody, EarthX in Dallas, April 22nd through 26, I believe, um, 2020, massive event. We're going to have 200,000 people out there. 200,000 plus. It's the biggest environmental event or opportunity or really experience, I I guess we like to term it as it's the biggest environmental experience in the world. So you're going to have over 200,000 people. on the grounds over that three, four, five-day period. It's a, something like an eight-day film festival. I think we have six or seven conferences going this year. We'll have multiple banquets, the gala dinner on Friday night. Uh, and then, of course, the big draw is also our expo, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, where you have companies from the furthest left to the furthest right, if you will, coming out to either talk about the amazing things they're already doing like from Colorado the Aspen Institute how they've been leading the way to maybe uh companies that are not looked at as so green like Shell or BP coming out to talk about some of the initiatives they have taken some of the ways they have improved and some of the things that they're looking forward at and and coming out to learn from some of these other guys so um <laughs> i i tell you Dan to me it's a beautiful thing to see you know a Sierra club next to Colorado oil and gas or mm. um, a Democrat next to a Republican. We'll put those two tables together. The Alliance party will actually have a booth this year. They'll be down there. Um, Nick Troiano's group. Uh, boy, I'm mm. blanking on it, but um,
0: yeah. Yeah. a lot of people. How does, I mean, how do you, yeah. how do you fit that many people into Dallas? I mean, this is, <clears throat> this is um, in Dallas, right? So uh, hopefully they have enough hotels for 200,000 people. That's quite a production.
1: Well, you know, a lot of those 200,000 are going to be local or driving in from around Texas. Um, Then they do have a lot of hotels. I think we book out the Hotel Anatole, but there's a lot of other local hotels there. Um, For the physical space, we use the Texas Fairgrounds, uh, which massive, beautiful area that I, I think had the Texas State Fair, the World's Fair, something like that back in the 30s or 40s, this beautiful old deco architecture. Um, but it's it's four major halls where we hold the expo in that surround this big, long, beautiful fountain. Uh, and so even just the premises is a nice place to walk through. Um, for the Colorado Pavilion, it'll be a physical space inside of the um, the Centennial Hall, I believe. Uh, but you know that's one of four major halls inside one major fairgrounds, which is of course where the Cotton Bowl is. If if that helps you picture how big this place yeah, is, that's pretty big. Um, mm-hmm. Which is of course inside a, a pretty big city. So we can hold them. Texas, they what do they like to say? Everything's bigger in Texas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty significant. I did see a. Um, <clears throat> you had sent me a link to a. Uh, well, I didn't see it. It was actually a podcast and that Channel Crow is being interviewed on the podcast. And um, he did make references to that as well, that uh, this is probably the, well, this is definitely the biggest such um, uh, environmental uh, collection or environmental um, expo in the US and quite possibly the world. So uh,
1: by golly, if yeah, they have the-, the
0: room in Dallas, they should use it.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And it's It's certainly not just a local thing or even a national thing. Um, They have a a mayor's conference that brings in mayors from cities all over the world. Last year, we had a Mexico pavilion. This year, along with the Colorado pavilion, it'll be a Latin American pavilion and a Canadian pavilion. Uh, We always have this island coalition conference. It's dubbed something slightly different each year. But um, we've had, like last year, we had, I think, five or six heads of state of small island nations that are going to be some of the first to experience um, climate, uh, what is it called? Climate refugees, basically, mm-hmm. have to deal with their citizens moving to other countries or places or locations because of what's happening with sea level rise. So, uh, yeah. and we And we bring a lot of those people down to Earth Day. It's incredible. So that's been one of my Um, big thrills is just to sit and listen to all these people uh, speak about what they're doing and, and meet together on stage in front of us and, and have it out. Um, One of the things we'll be bringing on the Colorado stage is uh, the Aspen Institute. Well, excuse me, the Aspen ski company and Vail resorts will be down there representing with the U S forest service. And they'll actually sit on the Colorado stage And do a panel on public-private partnerships and how the federal government, you know, U.S. Bureau of Lands, whatever, um, the forest is working with these private groups to um, make best use practices of the land. How do you take care of it? How do you uh, reinvest in a sense in it? How do you deal with fire mitigation in it? How do you deal with um, snowpack and water issues that, of course, is a major player in Colorado, but, um, we have those kind of discussions and we can attract them. And that's, that was one of my major draws to EarthX from day one.
0: Okay. Yeah. I was just going to ask you for some, uh, success stories, but, uh, you know, you've already been rattling them off for me success stories of various <laughs> different businesses getting involved with, um, with this group. Uh, this, uh, we've been talking with Nick Thomas, director of business development at EarthX, and we will be back after a short break. The two-party system that we've got is broken. The choices are
2: awful. All we see is lies, cheating, deceit. You could say it about both parties, neither one really stands for anything except acquiring and exercising power. The idea was to give the power to the people, or the people have given the power away. And that's where the system broke. Government and our political system was designed to be malleable, You know, not rigid, not ossified, not always gridlocked. Absolute power does corrupt, absolutely, and that's why the founders set the system up to avoid having concentrated power in the executive and in the national branch. The founding documents are the best. It's the best government so far that we've come up with. Um, We're just not doing it. You know, it's tribalism, basically. if you're not a my tribe, then you're a bad person. You could say the sky is blue, and I'm gonna say, no, it's green. I think it's right out of a 1930s era playbook where if you can divide people, make them feel like something's being taken from them, probably pays well for them to make sure that everybody's divided because in essence, it keeps them in office, it keeps them in power, it keeps them employed. The amount of money that's involved in politics, it is crazy. That Obama's a smart guy, but not even he could, uh, he wasn't gonna do it either. And I was like, OK, that's it. If he can't do it, it's not going to happen because uh, that's when I knew that the, uh, the lobbyists and the corporate interests, uh, the outside private interests that really have a hand in making sure that our political system doesn't work, uh, I knew that they had won. And I said, OK, third party is the way to go. What I think we're trying to do here is, is to make systemic change. Yeah, we need the right people. But there's not any one person, any one charismatic personality that's going to bring about the change that we so desperately need in this country. Our biggest goals are election reform. Knock down those barriers that have been built in the ballot access game by the state governments. Fixing the dark money. Getting good health care out there. We need more women we need more minorities we need more occupations and backgrounds we don't have set paradigms and beliefs we just want to solve problems so we're open books we're data sensitive we want data and we want to solve solutions that help the most people let's forget about where we disagree let's start with where do we agree let facts be facts and let truth be truth and afford people the opportunity to go and find the information they need. We require term limits of all of our candidates. If you have more choices and competition, uh, just like any free market enterprise, competition is going to give you a better product. Focus on innovation and really learning on a local level. Free press and educating people in an unbiased way. Protecting and and controlling the deficit. Respect and courtesy. Honesty through transparency. Openness and transparency. Transparency. I think that's incredibly important uh, in a number of areas, but especially in finances, so that voters can connect the dots. We want to leave this place in a better condition than we left it for the next generations, pure and simple. Not just my children, all our American kids. We need to educate every single individual in this country. So every individual has tools they need to succeed in life. Ultimately, that's what we're doing this for, what we can help the American people be. Not what we say they can be, but what they want to be, and we'll get our party to that point. We're supposed to help each other rise up, enlighten each other, and start by being civil and respecting other people's opinions. There's nobody left. We have to do it. There's right and there's wrong. (laughs) Nobody owns it. You know, JFK, I believe, was quoted as saying something to the effect of we don't need to look for the Republican answer or the Democratic answer. We need to look for the correct answer. And that's the types of conversations we're not having. As a people, are we doing what we should be doing?
0: We're back. We're talking with Nick Thomas, Director of Business Development at EarthX. So, Nick, uh, when we left off, we were talking about some success stories. But uh, during the break, you alluded to the fact that there is a significant success story that you'd like to talk about. Uh, Let us know what this is all
1: about. Well, Dan, since you and I are both with the Alliance Party and we both have a background political in nature, one of my favorite things that happened last year was a Thursday evening dinner. This is one of the many banquets we have. We have an oceans banquet. We have a um, hunters and fishers banquet. Um, you know, we, have a, we had a Mexican banquet last year, and this year we'll have a Colorado banquet. Um, and actually, uh, as an aside, at our oceans banquet, we had Cousteau's son, Jacques Cousteau's son, Fabian Cousteau, I believe, that he's got two sons, but launch the idea for a new um, NASA-style space station, international space station, uh, underwater. And not oh. just launch the idea, but they're actually moving forward with it. So that's going to be significant in that world. And of course, you know, seventy percent of our Earth is, or seventy, yeah, seventy percent of our Earth is water. We don't know as much about the deep oceans as we do about the stars. So this is a fantastic opportunity to get to know an area that affects the climate, that affects us, and that will um, matter <laughs> continually more so down the road. But so that's an aside. One of my favorite events from last year was the Thursday night political dinner. So I brought in, uh, ambassador Andrew Young, who's been a a lifelong mentor and friend. And I, I was thrilled. He came out from Atlanta to talk about one of the issues that he cares about. You know, this incredible civil rights leader who in his later years is now focused on what's happening with the Mississippi Delta. And, um, The idea that the Mississippi and its tributaries affect 38 different states around the country and flooding yearly causes millions, billions and trillions, depending on where in that you are, of damage. And how do we Mm -hmm. how do we do better there? And is there any way to draw a line or even, you know, take a basically an oil pipeline, but using it for water? um, How can we possibly use that in a way that we could maybe pump water over to the western side you know colorado where we have um, issues with not enough water so that was his thing he came down about that we were thrilled to have him but at this particular dinner he did the invocation so jimmy carter's ambassador to the un somebody from the left he did the invocation and then rick perry came up and did the keynote and there are issues he has but he he also has some some positives and and he chose to focus on wind energy and how uh, during his time in Texas, they helped now lead the country by investing in wind, renewable energy. Uh, So he did our invocation. And then we had Susan Eisenhower who left the Republican party 10 years ago to become an independent, you know, woman after my own heart. Uh, She held a panel between Lindsey Graham and Sheldon Whitehouse. So we had a top democratic and a top Republican Senator, talking about these issues. And it was one of the most interesting, open and honest conversations I have seen in front of a camera in a very, very, very long time. And so one, I was impressed simply that we could get all of these people from very, very different sides to come down. And two, to actually sit on stage and with each other have this beautiful open and honest dialogue about what's facing us, and have Lindsey Graham basically say, you know, our party will die if we don't stop pretending that science isn't a real thing, and if we don't start to embrace the climate change issue a lot more, which was, you know, really impressive to see that him say that in front of a camera and in front of an audience and also an audience that was primarily Republicans, but green Republicans. Uh, and as, as Trammell has liked to say often, and one of my big draws to this, a green Republican, which a lot of people across this country think is an oxymoron, uh, a green Republican is, is somebody who, in the history of the United States, has helped us greatly in our mission towards sustainability. It was Nixon a Republican who passed the Clean Air and Water Act. It was Roosevelt, a Republican, who created the National Park System. So, you know, politics, as you know better than probably anyone, politics ebbs and flows. Different parties are known for different things at different times in history. And um, Republicans have helped to lead climate issue and debate in the past, and, and it's time they got on board again now because the future matters. So that dinner encompassed to Me, the beautiful interlay of politics and uh, basically science or, or climate policy and uh, bringing the sides together is a, a wonderful thing, and we're going to do that again this year.
0: That sounds really good. It's it, nothing brings people together than uh, having experiencing a common threat. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you know,
0: yeah, it's absolutely that's very interesting. I, I, it kind of warms my heart thinking about that too. All these guys on the same stage talking <laughs> about this, that uh. You, you, you just don't get that impression when you watch the evening news that something like this could actually happen.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and they raise they raise money off um, di- divisiveness, you know, saying the other side is wrong, saying the other side is messed up, not helping the other side pass legislation. This is why you and I care about the Alliance Party, about finding another way. This is why I care about uh, ranked choice voting and all the other um Things we can do uh, on that side to try to make our political system quite a bit better, but yeah, yeah. you know when you actually see it happen, it it'll warm your heart. Yeah, and yeah. if it doesn't happen, we are we are doomed as a society, and pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of people recognize that too. So that um, at the end of the day, you know it's it's not really climate change; it's really global warming, and. Um, that is a threat to everybody. Uh, You mentioned uh, some of these island nations that are under threat. It's actually a a Department of Defense issue as well, because uh, I don't remember where I heard the statistic, but there's a large majority of our military bases are at or very close to sea level. I mean, obviously, you've got the Navy out there, you got, you know, at some point, you have to protect the border. So that's where the bases are located. So uh, they are also under direct threat. So there's, uh, it's, it's a significant threat for everybody. And I think, uh, you know, at the end of the day, whether you're Republican or Democrat or Alliance Party or Independent or whatever, you recognize a threat when you see it. And the threat in this case is really global warming. And it's really a question of what we can do about it and, and what we did to cause it and what we can do to help it, uh, help heal the, the uh, climate and perhaps even at the same time, heal the nation.
1: Then you're hitting it right on the nose. And that's one of the most interesting and ironic things about this whole debate. Um, Without touching on our current presidential thing, because that's obviously a big issue, the the Trump administration has tried to gut the Clean Air and Water Act, which was a Republican initiative. uh, And they they are not wanting to look into climate and climate change in any way. And yet, You're right, the Department of Defense and most of our military uh, institutions actually do have people looking into it because it's a issue of security. And so one, just talking about energy alone is an issue of national security. The more we can get off oil, and yes, we we are now producing much more of our own oil, we are self-sustaining, but for how long? It's a national security issue. To be able to produce our own energy and not be reliant on other places and not have to worry that if we go to war with Iran right now and oil goes up from $63 a barrel to $150 a barrel, that it doesn't bring uh, transportation across our country to a grinding halt. Mm-hmm. But with the military bases, if <laughs> if we close our eyes and put our heads in the sand and pretend Climate change isn't a real thing and the oceans aren't going to rise and whatnot. We are endangering our own military bases. We are endangering our own cities. We are endangering our economy because when something serious does happen and it's happening more and more, the fires in Australia are a climate issue. You know, what we said, the fires in Alaska last year were a climate issue. And the more that kind of thing happens, if we don't address it now, we will pay to the tune of billions and trillions later. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think, honestly, I think most people realize that. It's the, you you just have to get the politics out of the way and start working on on a solution. So, uh. If I may return back to EarthX itself, um, your involvement in EarthX, you mentioned or I mentioned before that you're now the director of business development at EarthX. Um, What do you do? I mean, do you do do uh, business development, I suppose, is is getting more businesses involved in EarthX itself for the purpose of helping their business uh, uh, with uh, environmental issues or... or, um I'm kind of grasping yeah. at straws here. you to tell me what you do there.
1: <laughs> I, I appreciate the sound of reaching there because it, it, it is sort of a funny and unique job. It's not your normal sales job. Um, we have a lot of groups that will obviously pay for a booth and come on down, but um, we actually will give away a lot of booths to uh, federal agencies uh, or very cheap to schools, very cheap to nonprofits. Uh, Trammell puts a significant amount of his own resources into Earth Exit each year, so it's it's not uh, an an organization or nonprofit based on ROI. And in fact, we spend vastly more than is ever taken in. It's for for him, this is his issue, his direction, his philanthropy. This is what he believes in, and I have um, great respect and appreciation for that. So my role is, is Colorado-based. And as I've alluded to a couple of times, um, Trammell's dream for some time has been to have a Colorado pavilion. Uh, it hasn't come about before, and he, he basically brought me in this year in June-ish to, to really put more focus on that and make that happen this year for the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. And so at EarthX, at this massive expo this year, there will be a Colorado specific pavilion inside of which we'll have Colorado companies and Colorado speakers there some of them yes to, to um, pick up new business and share their products and show what they're doing in, in a chance to get deeper into the Texas market which is important for many of these groups but for a lot of others it's almost altruistic in nature it's, it's not necessarily ROI for them it's also to come down and share the lessons they've they've learned and the things they're doing and what they can teach other groups around them, but what Colorado can also teach Texas, which I love. So I believe, and this is, this is what it's looking like this year. We'll, we'll have, um, as I mentioned, we'll have the Aspen Institute there and they'll bring out a, a lot of people to do moderators, uh, to be moderators for some of our other panels. We'll have um, the, Aspen, Co. Vail, and Forest Service doing a public-private partnership talk on our Colorado stage. We have initial uh, agreement from both Senator Michael Bennett, our Colorado's Democrat, and Senator Cory Gardner, Colorado's Republican, to both come down to EarthX. Uh, they'll both visit the pavilion and speak at the pavilion. And my hope is, the schedules will line up in the right way that we'll actually have the two of them on the stage together talking together about um, sort of some of these issues and what they're doing, because they both sit on committees that uh, have have to do with some of these these issues. Um, I think Governor Jared Polis will be visiting this year. I know Mayor uh, Mayor Hancock once mayor, now Governor Hancock or previous governor and then previous presidential candidate. Um, Hickenlooper came down two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Mayor Hancock has come down in the past. He's the current mayor of Denver. He'll, he'll possibly be down again this year. So we'll bring down a number of uh, politicians. We'll bring down a number of thought leaders on the whole, not Colorado-centric, but Sylvia Earle will be coming down again. She's come down in the past. Um, Captain of the Sea Shepherd always comes down. He's a dear friend of the the organization. Um, so Amazing people, amazing turnout, amazing thought leaders. And my job is to really try and make that Colorado Pavilion both um, broad in scope, try to have people from all the different groups, the nonprofits, the federal government, a lot of our schools. DU will be represented there, which I'm thrilled about. Alma mater. Uh, ILIF will be there. It looks like CU and CSU will both hopefully get a booth and come down. And so, you know, educational institutions and um, students will come down everything across the board. And mm-hmm. I'd like to just see as many people from Colorado who care in any way about this, come down and join us in Dallas in April. If, if you come as simply a participant, it's free. Some of the conferences cost money. Some of the dinners cost money, but to come to the expo, to, to come to a lot of the events, um, and particularly to come to this incredible eight-day film festival, as well as our, uh, oh, what is that kind of film where you put on a headset? AV.
0: Uh, oh, yeah. AR. Uh, VR.
1: Yeah.
0: AR? Uh, virtual reality. Uh, or, I, yeah.
1: I, yeah. VR. Good yeah. grief. I sound like I can't even handle technology, but uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> VR group. Yeah, we have a beautiful <laughs> VR display. And all these things are free for anybody who wants to come down and be there and join and listen and Sharing the conversation, and yeah. I'm helping facilitate that with with the Coloradans. So you're
0: uh, drawing upon your Colorado, perhaps cowboy experience, and lassoing a lot of people, <laughs> to get them, get them all in That's that a pavilion.
1: Great way of putting it. I love it. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, um, well, it's great. That's that's. Uh, it, it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I I I've been digging into EarthX quite a bit lately, and it's. Um, <clears throat> I live in St. Louis, so it's a bit of a drive for me. But I'm tempted to drive down there as well. That that just sounds like a lot of fun and, and very educational for a lot of people. So, before we leave, I'd like to. Um, I, I know Trammell Crow gets asked this all the time, and I did listen to a podcast. that's sent over to me, and they asked him the question: "You know, what's the future for EarthX?" And um, so I. He had quite a few answers to that, but uh, it was more like a diversify, diversification into other industries and you know, making it a more relevant to uh, national audience. Are you uh, involved in that at all? And in, in, in what is your future with EarthX, or what do you think EarthX's uh, future is going to be?
1: Well, I, I guess for me, it's taking it a day at a time. Um, I'm really focused on the 2020 event, actually having this Colorado Pavilion and being successful, which... Already, it looks like, you know, a few months out, we've, we've done it, we've hit it. A lot of people are very excited and they're coming. Um, a lot of the great institutions that we were hoping for are all going to be there. So, you know, my focus is now through April. Um, whether I continue to work with EarthX, um, which I certainly wouldn't be opposed to, whether I return to the political realm and help them from afar, I will continue to help in any way I can to support their the dream and the goal in every way I can uh, to to stay in touch and friends with Trammell. I, I'm I'm thrilled that he's taking this on as one of his life missions, and I I think that's the the altruism of that, but also the the focus on the critical issue of that is is a wonderful thing. And so anything I can do, yesterday, today, and ten years on the road for that, I will continue to do. Um, Personally, whether or not it's with EarthX, I will continue to make climate the the major focus for me in the the coming years, because if we as a nation, if we as a country, the world don't make it a major issue, um, very, very, very bad things will happen. We've seen these reports come out. We've seen that we have 11 years left, max um, to change the tides. Uh, Literally, (laughs) Mm -hmm. we've seen... Um, what can happen, you know, Australia is a great example of what will happen, not can, what will happen if we don't um, care. Yeah. As for EarthX, it will go on. So this is the 10 year anniversary, but that doesn't mean they're they're not going to do an 11th year in the 51st year of Earth Day. So you'll see this happen again, April 2021 and 2022, because the funny thing about Earth Day is, you know, it was created back in the 70s and celebrated in a sense, in a lot of Primarily, I think it started in in, um, educational institutions, a lot of universities around the country. It's happened now around the world every April, every year for the last 50 years. And yet in a lot of places and a lot of cities, you barely see a mention of it. And if it's mentioned, maybe they do a, a couple hours at the podium in front of the state capitol and then everybody goes back to their business. It's really never been a major thing in most places and so trammell what he's done in dallas what he continues to do and the the charge he's continued to lead is significant and hopefully other people will either sign on with that and do their own thing or i think the future earth x might be an earth x colorado where we run an event in denver so locals can come to it without traveling down to denver uh, An EarthX Iowa, I know that it's been briefly talked about that something might happen in Iowa next year. Uh, EarthX California, EarthX New York, but you have it in local places so that people can more easily access it without flying down and staying in the Anatole. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it will go on, and I think it needs to go on. It's important for it to go on, and um, it's, it's something that will... Help and affect all of us, so it, 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 it can't stop
0: yeah it yeah. <laughs> can't
1: stop won't stop
0: there's a lot okay. of dedication toward that. I know that uh, I mean the, the, the issue itself will go on, whether or not Earth X goes on, but I tend to think you know looking at everything and you know listening to some of the things that Tramwell Crow has said um, he's dedicated to this to this idea and and uh, <clears throat> the interview I saw with him, like I said he wanted to make uh, continue to engage not just once a year, but to engage on environmental issues all year round and provide services for people all year round. So, yep. um, this, uh, our,
1: our CEO, Tony Keene, who was on that podcast, uh, he's, he's also, you know, bought into that. He's, he's doing the right things for that. He's really helped certain parts of the organization certainly grow. We, oh, and I should mention, you know, now in the tail end of the podcast, EarthX partnered with the Smithsonian this year. We partnered with National Geographic this year. Um, you know, they're they're making major strides in this space, and it's very clearly um, becoming a, a major player, not just in Dallas, not just around the West, but um, nationally and internationally. Yeah. And I think it will continue to grow in that capacity.
0: I, I, I certainly hope it does. I know that the Alliance Party has its... Uh dedication to environmental issues as well. And I think um, all the parties, um, despite, you know, what's happening currently in the political situation, I think all the parties, all the political parties out there are going to have to embrace these issues to, um, as you say, very human existence itself depends on it. So we just can't turn our back on it. Okay, well, we've, uh, we've been talking with Nick Thomas, who's the Director of Business Development at EarthX. Um, Nick, um, anything else you'd like to add before we conclude this thing?
1: Well, Dan, I'm, I'm thrilled the Alliance Party will have a booth this year in 2020. I'm, I hope you do drive in from St. Louis. You know I'll be there. Um, Jim will be there. <laughs> I'm excited to see you down there, and I hope our other Alliance Party members will consider joining us, and I hope everybody else, listening to the podcast will continue consider joining us you know we have a we give a wide open doors are open red carpets rolled out we'd love to have you in Dallas in April um we'd love to have you down for EarthX and in okay. the meantime get involved on our website get in, uh, earthx.org get involved with our community and um get involved with politics yeah. realize that if you're a democrat or republican listening to this don't think of it as your issue or don't think of it as the other person's issue. This is a human issue. This affects all of us, and we all need to do our part.
0: Perfect. Well said. Thank you. And again, that uh, website is earthx.org, earth dot Wonderful. <clears throat> well, thank you, Nick. Um, and thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Alliance Party After Dark podcast. Please consider subscribing to this podcast so that you don't miss any episodes. Each week we'll bring you interesting topics from the Alliance Party. You may subscribe on iTunes, Google, or Spotify. All content for this podcast is copyright the Alliance Party. Views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the Alliance Party. This podcast is a production of the Alliance Party a decades-long movement of fiscally conservative, moderate, accountable, and reasoned independents, former Democrats, former Republicans, and alienated voters who demand that our elected officials work in the spirit of nonpartisanship for all constituents and provide a better future for our country. This podcast was made possible by your donations to the Alliance Party. If you'd like to help sponsor this podcast directly, get in touch with us through our website at theallianceparty.com. If you'd like to join the Alliance Party, visit our website at theallianceparty.com. Drop in and see what we're all about, and get involved. Volunteer your time, make a donation, submit an article or blog, or run for office. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Dan Schaefer, producer of the Alliance Party After Dark, and on behalf of everyone at the Alliance Party, have a wonderful evening, a great week ahead, and we hope you drop in for our next show. Be safe and be aware.